everybody. Welcome to episode 229 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hi, Chris. And we are joined, this is what, like three guest episodes in a row? Kind yeah, of on a roll a here. <laughs> uh, joined by Jarvis Yu, who we grabbed to... Mostly because we're like not competent to talk about legacy and there were legacy ban potentials coming mm -hmm. up and, and a ban did happen. But, you know, we also just always like having Jarvis on the show. So, hey, Jarvis. Hello. I asked you how it was going before and you, you know, you killed my <laughs> vibe with your answer. So I don't know if I need to ask you how it's going <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> uh, it's going exactly fine. Uh, time is a fake construct and all. And I don't know. We're still in March 2020, right? Yes, you get credit against like the time of the pandemic. We all like get spotted two years. Like I'm still 31 oh, wow. years old. So nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. If it keeps going on, we can live for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the one upside is getting spotted all the time. So. Mm -hmm. no expectations for like accomplishments or like career progression or anything like that it's it's okay man it, <laughs> it it's all been impossible to do so don't worry about it i guess the one thing that does happen is like horrifying magic the gathering organized play <laughs> announcements and i guess this one isn't an actual organized play announcement but it <laughs> is a it's a direct it's, result it's yeah it's a direct result and it's a clear like health indicator and i'm talking about star city games announcement that they're pretty much discontinuing support of competitive magic strategy content they made an announcement they didn't specifically say who they were letting go but as each individual author tweeted it seems like pretty much the entire like competitive strategy content staff is no longer making content for star city uh once PV tweeted, that was pretty much the okay. Well, they they can't be keeping anybody on, right? If if PV's gone, yeah, yeah, PV's yeah. gone. Cedric was already gone before this, mm -hmm. and then Jerry, Brian got leave. Uh, just kind of everyone who can write Ross, Corey, no more versus live. Each each like point on the spectrum, like there's no oh they might be keeping the kind of like broader like kind of casual appeal competitive players like jerry or the like super analytical article writers there's no like it doesn't seem like anybody's left yeah i i think this just it makes sense because there's no aspirational vibe left in magic for a competition really mm -hmm. so this is really just i mean i i talked about this on my streams lately that i kind of well I used to really look forward to weekends to just having a chance to like, you know, compete every weekend in something meaningful and having a buildup. And in nowhere, basically, I think only one tournament series still has that left, and that's NRG. And literally mm -hmm. everyone else has bailed on it, including Wizards, including Star City Games, including, well, I guess Channel Fireball was never really responsible for something like that. But it's kind of sad, but it's also very predictable. Because I think if you just look at other games, other games have nothing like Magic's old organized play system, and I'm mm -hmm. I'm really not surprised that this happened finally. But what other games are you thinking of? Because when you say other games, I think of like Pokemon, which has a huge, robust competitive environment. Oh, I was thinking of like the other digital games that I see, like 
Digital games, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I agree with that. Oh, uh, like Hearthstone in particular, I don't think is that great. Although I, I'm not as Hearthstone expert. Definitely League of Legends and TFT to a lesser degree. I kind of think like their organized play is so top heavy that it there's nothing for like the lower people to aspire to unless if you get really good somehow. Yeah, I think that like one of the big problems with the MPL is that they pretty much like copied wholesale and did a bad job of copying. But the thing that they were copying in the <laughs> yeah. first place were like bad top heavy esports systems that were not supposed to be aspirate. I mean, maybe they weren't bad, but they certainly weren't supposed to be aspirational to right. rank and file players. You know, it's been a long time since I was invested in like the competitive Hearthstone scene. And one of the things that made me really check out and, and stop watching it, you know, I, I played a fair amount of Hearthstone when I was in law school because it was much easier to just play some Hearthstone than all of the logistical things that go into playing Magic. And I watched tournaments. And then at one point, some player won two or three tournaments in a row or something. And one of the commentators was like, three tournaments in a row. How does he do it? And it was just like, well, there's the same 16 players in every one of these tournaments. Yeah. So like, it's going to happen eventually. <laughs> and yeah, like now we don't even have a semblance of that like <laughs> ladder system, escalator system that, that gives you aspirational goals and it, it makes competitive magic feel largely pointless because everything happened in the shadow of the pro tour once upon a time and without anything like mm. that what are we doing a funny a funny stat i heard or read the other week uh was that hearthstone's player base is like over half just battlegrounds now <laughs> like they don't even play the hearthstone yeah. game in the hearthstone client the majority of the player base just plays battlegrounds yeah. which is the auto battler not, not surprised the thing about the pro tour it's kind of random chance that it even existed to begin with. Scaf mm -hmm. Elias just was thinking about it and he's like, wouldn't it be great if there was a competitive circuit for Magic players when like the game was very young? So mm -hmm. I think it's actually very lucky that it even existed to begin with and that they even w were willing to fund it when the company wasn't even when the company wasn't even well funded that they could manage to do it. So it's kind of weird that now the company has so much money but there's probably corporate pressure from Hasbro and you know it at the end of the day I think I would guess that the fact that there's a corporation involved actually killed organized play more than anything else. Yeah, I I would expect that when organized play gets revealed it's mostly going to be magic vests type yeah. deals and maybe we have like set championships still but they're not going to be right. feeding it anything or whatever. Don't don't expect any gravy trains to come back. That that ship has sailed, unfortunately. No trains, only ships. Yeah, I am focused on the podcast, but I'm also just like generally scrolling through Twitter a little bit, and you know people's <laughs> general disappointment. And it's hard to can't really blame Star City for the decision that they've made. Although I kind of wish mm -hmm. that they had found a way to keep going with with competitive content and and things that go along with that but yeah it is really disheartening just seeing people's disappointment and, and sadness at this loss you know magic is less than it was when pv is not writing articles I, I, that's a big deal to me is is not having pv getting paid to write articles anymore that sucks hopefully he will find a place at some point probably mm -hmm. but it, this is a really bad sign for that sort of thing continuing 
think it might be a good sign or a good opportunity for other sites such as one channel fireball to repoach pv right. i i believe there was just like a bunch of poaching going back and forth between the two sites for a while but now like i mean it seems pretty obvious that if cfb wants to wants to and if paul was willing to do it they can negotiate something you know yeah but you know star city's making this business decision mm -hmm. bodes poorly for the entire like ecosystem of sure. converting competitive oriented content into some sort of profit that justifies its existence which you know obviously like capitalism bad and it's it just like slowly <laughs> destroys the things you love I, i'm not actually sure it was all capitalism here i mean i i think if the SCG tour had been allowed to run the past two years, we wouldn't be in the spot for SCG themselves. So I mm -hmm. think they had a very well set up pipeline of, you know, mm -hmm. have an open every week, buy a, a ton of cards, which is very good for their bottom line indirectly, and also be able to, like, you know, funnel content related to that open every week, and people will cared a lot about it. It was sort of a positive feedback loop, I think, but yeah. since that didn't exist for the past few years, and it's unlikely that they'll get the same numbers that they did before. I think that's why uh, Pete Hoefling decided to put the body to rest, I suppose. Yeah. And it just seems, you know, that there was a note of like, hopefully we can start this back up again at some point. But there is a level of like, it's really hard to dig that body back up after you've buried it. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go into star city's business model too much. <laughs> do you want to go deeper important. into this like dead body metaphor we've been constructing <laughs> nope i'm good i'm all I'm, right i'm i'm finished <laughs> all right we'll let edgar markov stay in the coffin yeah yeah some great good. great half of a card yeah because we <laughs> gotta pivot now to like flavor and story oh, content sure. because competitive content is dead so we gotta we gotta make a lot of similes like that to magic <laughs> oh, thank characters. goodness i've been i've been reading all of the kamigawa story i'm ready for this transition oh, chris nice. <laughs> is it good uh it's not as bad as every story from the last year and a half <laughs> Ooh, that is not compelling that is not compelling that's all i've got yeah. for you <laughs> okay i'll I'll continue reading books then probably. That's a good good decision. Good decision. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so in conclusion, understandable from Star City's point of view, really upsetting overall just because it provides more insight into the state of things as to competitive magic. Also, it was a little weird in the announcement. Felt like they threw Cedric under the bus a little bit and they were like yeah and you know with Cedric leaving it was like even harder to keep this kind of content going it's like maybe don't put Cedric in your announcement like that that's yeah off though I I mean I agree like I think Cedric is a lot more creative than Pete is <laughs> so I'm sure like finding a way to ride through this having Cedric on board would have been an asset but mm -hmm. you know they weren't able to keep him on, and it's not up to Cedric to like yeah, sta yeah. save Star City's content. So, but slightly less just straight up depressing. Uh, we were waiting on a ban and restricted announcement to happen today. We got some stuff, no modern changes. I was excited to talk about whatever modern changes came up, but we'll have to 
talk a little bit about the implications of no modern changes. A uh, couple of standard bands, All Runs Epiphany, Divide by Zero, and Faceless Haven, and kind of the big boy, because it's hard to, you know, they could ban 20 cards from standard, and it'd be hard to be like, all right, get ready for some standard, because, <laughs> like, right. who cares? Uh, but the big boy is definitely the Raghavan Nimble Pilfer sure. ban in Legacy. Uh, should we also mention the fact that last Thursday, they also revealed the Popper bans, and sort of implied that there would be bans today? It's kind of an interesting two-step process, especially Popper yeah. had the advisory panel, is how I would put it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go into that briefly because I kind of think, yeah, uh, I don't know how much Popper YouTube play or even keep track of. I I, I compulsively click on deck lists no matter what the format is, even Dead Standard. <laughs> uh, so knew for a while that Affinity just had so many numbers. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, even after those cards that got banned on either Saturday or Sunday, there was a 9-0 affinity deck in the challenge. So even like they banned ATOG, it didn't really <laughs> seem to matter that much. Like they played like Croc Clan Grunt, which is a two and a red two two, which is sack an artifact, it gets plus one plus zero in first strike until end of turn. And that I'm like, this card is much worse than ATOG, but the fact that you can just like play two of those and leave the rest of the deck mostly functional and it still wins a lot it's probably telling of how broken like a the affinity mechanic is and b deadly dispute is actually a real uh banger in the deck so you know i i actually thought the atog ban was so smart and good because atog <laughs> has pretty much always been yeah. the uh the like way to kind of cheat out your wins like the affinity deck is all really good it's yeah. just really good all your lands are basically soul lands yep or ancient tombs or whatever and then the games you can't win or you are having trouble winning, Atog just either just puts your opponent in this impossible spot or you fling them and they just die. <laughs> yes. I, I think those versions actually didn't even play fling towards the end, so it's kind of funny. Um, they didn't need to because their deck was so good. Yeah. And also, one way that the deck used to be attacked was Gorilla Shaman would go after your lands. But with the dual lands being indestructible, you were actually removing a vulnerability on that axis. So it's kind of funny that MH2 actually helped the deck quite a bit i think as well as afr providing a, like a random common as well and the the next level ban for that was uh cards from tron i believe bonders ornament and what was the other card prophetic, prophetic prism. prism oh yeah so that prophetic prism ban smells a lot like an astrolabe ban in popper as well <laughs> it's like the lot. same thing yeah exactly except in tron it's like pretty free to play prism where it wasn't free to play astrolabe obviously it's one of your best openers is just playing Tron lands into Prism. Like all your colors are fixed. This is like a five color deck. Well, yeah. not often anymore, but well, they have played five colors in the past. I, I viewed it as a three color deck that sideboarded into the fourth and fifth color when I played the deck, which is pretty much the truth, I think. You don't have to be all five colors in the game, but it also didn't really cost you very much because you played like Shimmering Grotto and you played those filter cards like Prophetic Prism. Once your colored sources are trying to all provide all three of your main colors, sure. like, they're going to have to be five color effects. So so yeah, I, I I kind of like how they handled it. And I do like the idea of an advisory panel. I yeah. do think there was some downside to publishing the names of the people who are on that panel. If, I, uh, if, if I'm um, going to be completely honest. Yes, I, I agree. Like the blowback on bands towards those people is unacceptable. Sure. But I imagine 
Gavin or Watsy just asked them if they wanted to be public, and they probably sure. said yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, I kind of imagine that some of them probably got some not-so-nice direct messages, uh, because that's how the internet works, and I feel for them, but... If, if they agreed to it, I don't know, like, it's kind of hard to say that they couldn't predict that would happen. I mean, obviously, it still sucks. So, yeah, um, it shouldn't be a part of it, but it is the Internet. What, yeah. When that when that happened last Thursday, people brought up, why isn't there a legacy panel? And people were like, you should be on it. And I'm like, I do not have any interest in doing this whatsoever. <laughs> and I'm also not interested in some jerk DMing me like, why did you get this band? Blah, blah, blah. I hate you. Hope you fall off a bridge or something, you know? No, Watsi would have to pay a lot more than I'm sure the $0 is <laughs> yeah, paying. Absolutely locked in at $0, yeah. I do like the idea of advisory councils because sure. clearly, especially for formats like Legacy and Popper specifically, Watsi has been very slow on the ball mm-hmm. to, to deal with like problems in those formats. And somebody who is in the thick of it to be to report back and be like, this has to change is like a, a huge upside, I think. I, I, I think it's just generally great. Mm-hmm. I'm confident that you're right that they're not paying them anything and that, that right. is just like that's terrible like that's morally just it's just wrong like just not like yeah. you're helping them Cor- with a business thing that they are doing like it's a corporation like yep. they can pay you for your time they're paying you as a consultant for your expertise like this is this is absolutely like an expert consultant <laughs> role a contract playing thing. it's a contract yeah. position well that, yeah I mean, the the other problem is they know that they can get people to do it for free, so the people will do it for free. And they yeah. are a corporation, so they will also look for excuses not to pay people if they can. So the it cuts both ways, I think. Mm-hmm. So that I just wanted to bring up the popper thing because I think it is a good tie-in to the rest of it, where I don't think they had anyone to consult on for standard or, uh, I guess historic but i would imagine for standard there must be an enormous data set for them because like if you think about it this way if there are so many arena players and you think the best one matches have some information that you can still gather from them there just must be like a ton of data that you can pull from Mm -hmm. and you can also stratify it by like ranks like i kind of think that I wouldn't be surprised if the data sets were completely different at each different ranking. And it's very easy to write a SQL uh, query that separates them out to just see what the differences are in DEX performances at different, you know, rankings. Right. And there's really granular data that you can use too. Like what is divide by zeros, like game and hand win rate. Like what happens when a player draws two divide by zeros or whatever. Like there's, there's a bunch of stats that you can pull out to see the effect that these cards are having on individual games. It depends on how their backend is coded for the database, obviously. True. And it might, like, if it's not implemented correctly, it would be very painful to pull that actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, obviously- The data be. exists somewhere. Sure. And if they if they- wanted to work hard enough to access it it could exist (laughs) so i actually uh had a brief chat with some people i was hanging out in some twitch channel seeing what people thought of the bands and someone brought up the interesting point that why was divide by zero banned instead of galvanic iteration i think that is an interesting point but i think the issue with that is 
divide by zero is the card that makes like i think it is the glue card for those decks is how i put it best i think so many of your best starts happen with divide by zero you know just getting environmental sciences all of your mana set up and then like iteration for windfall or iteration for epiphany is sort of a later game thing that's going to happen but really is to divide by zero buying you time to get to it like like how good is remand or repulse generally speaking really really good right yeah so so the standard bands are all runs epiphany divide by zero and faceless haven and definitely an iteration ban alongside all runs epiphany doesn't make any sense like the divide by zero ban is doing a different thing from weakening the epiphany decks they're saying even if we ban epiphany we know the blue decks are still going to be quite good right exactly Uh, Maybe some of that information is coming from alchemy, although that's pretty distorted by the existence of <laughs> oh, the the mana artifact that gives you time warps or whatever. Uh, approach of the key, second key sons. to the archive. It also gives you approach of the second sons, yes, I believe. It gives you a lot of stuff. It uh, yeah, what a weird card. But but so clearly, like they're trying to weaken blue mm-hmm. decks even in the absence of them being epiphany decks, and I mean I think that makes a certain amount of sense. I'm just generally all for the divide by zero ban because I hate playing with and against that card. Like it just creates this weird, awful, repetitive gameplay where like you just (laughs) you got to try again next turn. Like the the, your five mana spell is really, really bad or maybe it will win (laughs) the game here or and I don't know. I just don't enjoy playing with or against divide by zero. It's interesting because I don't remember people complaining as much about Remand. I think Remand is a much better card than Divide by Zero is because it's two-thirds the mana. But it's... Well, Remand also had, like, well, when Ravnica was being played, there was, like, 10% of the player base. And no Twitter. But also, people played with Card Ape and Savannah Lions, and those cards are really good versus Remand. It's true. Is mm-hmm. the other thing. So, like, you don't really want to have Remand in your deck versus, like, a one-drop Zoo deck because that doesn't really do anything except... You're paying two mana cycle card versus their one drop, and that's really not a good rate. So I think it's probably just a function of how this metagame is warped. I think if there were a lot more good aggressive one drops, Divide by Zero wouldn't even really be in the conversation as being ban worthy. But mm-hmm. there are no good red one drops. Are there good aggro black one drops? I don't even know. Someone could tell me on the internet. My suspicion is no, because I don't see those decks doing well. Uh, there are not. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, This just in. Washta Pro tells you one drops are good versus things that cost three mana. Slow counterspells, yeah. Yeah, just just putting it out there. Well, one drops are even good versus Repulse, which is like the other mode of that card. It's not just Remand. It's just a split card Repulse Remand is Mm -hmm. the actual issue with the card, I think. Yeah. And it's just a little too broad and Mm -hmm. just not... I don't think creates good like gameplay incentives. So while during Strixhaven spoilers, I certainly did not pick out Divide by Zero as a, you know, format breaking card or anything like that. I'm totally fine to see it going. One of the weirdest things to me about this ban, and we haven't really talked about Faceless Haven, and I'm going to lead us even further away from that. Sure. But to focus on these blue cards, because they, they banned Epiphany to get rid of Epiphany decks. And they then banned Divide by Zero. The reasoning was that, you know, blue decks are still good without Epiphany. So they got might as well get rid of the best value card. Uh, the problem then 
Holebreaker Horror. Is that Holebreaker Horror exists? Yeah, I don't and know. And they how identified you... this card as a problem in Alchemy and Historic because they nerfed it. Yeah. But like, I, I want to, when we get to the nerfs, I really want to talk about that specific nerf and what a bizarre sure. choice of nerf it is. Okay. Not, it's not bizarre to nerf Holebreaker Horror, but the specific nerf they did is mind boggling. But go on. But when, yeah, when they, they, I've, they have identified that there is a problem that Holebreaker Horror is too strong. <laughs> And then immediately banned the only blue card that has even a chance at competing <laughs> with it. Yeah, the, a lot of games I've seen with horror, the person just waits until eight and like keeps up another spell, so then you can't really ever kill it because you just reman that spell instead. Like if you just have Holebreaker Horror plus Fading up in your hand, good luck ever killing that thing. You're just going to be like buried in tempo instead. Your your only shot was to divide it by zero on the stack. That was it. That's yeah. all you had. And that if you're like that doesn't deck. solve it either. So no, it means your your opponent's just gonna tap seven on their like main phase, so they don't get divide by zero again, or you're forced to use divide by zero like proactively instead of like getting to use it when you want. But to be honest, like I don't find that to be a problem it's, with yeah. Hallbreaker Horror because I think big dumb uncounterable it's spells seven that mana. win. Yeah, and and it's best in blue mirrors, so it's sure. like a card that like by existing kind of makes the blue decks a little bit worse because they have to mm. play it to beat each other and they have to have answers to it and you know it's not that good against like mono green or oh whatever. i i have a lot of examples of that type of anyone remember aetherling plus cavern of souls of or course ancient there's a lot there's actually a history of stuff like this happening but it is only good in inbred blue mirrors and bad everywhere else because like well, Aetherling is a different story because that yeah, was actually Aetherling good versus a little good. But <laughs> Perwak Ancient was not great versus like Abzan because you know what happened is if you just sit around with you know Perwak Ancient, and it could just get thought seized before you even get to cast it. So it was it really wasn't that great, and you know I uh, horror I think is a little bit special because once it's in play, good luck ever doing anything, or it can rebuy a bunch of tempo once once it gets into play. But, you know, at the end of the day, it still is a 7 minutes. But, like, I don't know. Is it more offensive to lose to Holebreaker or Tooth and Nail? To me, they're kind of like the same card, you know? <laughs> yeah, and so that's why I find the nerf to it to be such an odd choice. <laughs> the, like, right. the nerf is that they took away the this is uncounterable text. But, like, to me, that's my favorite text on the card because it <laughs> makes it relevant in right. the mirrors and... So you have to run a certain number of Hullbreaker Horrors in order to keep up with your opponents in the mirrors, even if that card isn't that good against some right. of the non-blue decks. Now it's just like, I will run this card only if it's good against the non-blue decks too. <laughs> like, and, and so it's just a, a weird, like, I don't know that they're doing the thing that they want to do, but it does probably reduce the total number of Hullbreaker Horrors it, it cast because it's no longer a mirror breaker. I don't need to put it in my 75. <laughs> right. Yeah, you gotta go back to your Neza Hall Primal Tides or whatever in Historic <laughs> instead. It's funny because I immediately cut Neza Hall for the Holebreaker Horror when I saw that in like the Historic decks. Because it's just like, why would I play Neza Hall when I could just like play a card that's universally good? Like, I was yeah. playing that card versus like Jun Sacrifice because it could like bounce all of their Trail of Chromes and like, you know, whatever problematic permanence <laughs> and eventually kill them in three hits. Uh, also, I would like to note this card has seen fringe vintage play because it's really yeah, powerful with Moxen, and <laughs> it's it's okay with Oath of Druids. It's not as good as like Gristlebrand or Archon of Cruelty, but if you want to build a combo Oath deck, it, there are worse things to do than just put you know two Holebreaker Horrors in your deck, 
the full combo in Moxon, and then whenever you Oath, well, I don't I don't know about you, but most decks when they have infinite mana can probably cobble something together to win the game. Probably, especially vintage decks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, a, a slight rant about horror. I, th- I think I think horror is actually a pretty cool card, um, and I don't I don't really think it's too powerful. It's just you know in the blue mirrors, it's kind of annoying now that you don't have option to divide by zero it but maybe we should go away from that and talk about faceless haven which is the last axis when i saw this card in strict save i'm like wow this card is really good and then when i saw people play with it my opinion only went up from there which is kind <laughs> of insane because i think i maybe i thought maybe i was undervaluing it and it turns out i was still undervaluing it somehow yeah it is very obviously very good the reasoning for the ban, uh, I, I again, I, I mentioned this when they nerfed it in, uh, they nerfed it in Alchemy. The reasoning is weird to me because it seems a little like carp before the horse. And they're saying like, you know, it makes the monocolor aggro decks, it makes the incentives to be monocolor aggro over multicolor aggro too strong. And that may be true. And it does make it harder to get away from monocolor aggro decks. But again, like we just never have lands for multicolor aggro decks. So I don't Mm -hmm. see a ton of incentive to be multicolor aggro, even with Faceless Haven gone. Like, Mm -hmm. should I be werewolves over mono green? Maybe a little more often, but like not that much more often. Yeah, I'm I agree. Like they should just print. They should just print fast lands and stuff of their ilk, pain lands, whatever. Yeah, just yeah, let yeah. you play with your stupid aggro cards in two colors. Or plant I've been... more lands like uh, the vampire land or something like that. If sure, they're trying to sure. enable specific aggro decks, like, fine, make lands that only work in those decks. Like, be, be really ham-fisted about it, but something. I, I actually think Faceless Haven was my favorite ban of this entire announcement. <laughs> I just cannot stand that card it it messes you mm. up dude you can't cast a wrath effect you just die i i, was, I, I just don't yeah. like the incentives to be be so tunneled into monocolored like mm-hmm. you're already incentivized by the format's lack of mana mm-hmm. and just rewarding you with an incredibly good card on top of it just felt very rude to me sure i yeah i kind of think the incentives were all in the wrong place and i i've seen so many faceless heavens could just get fired up alongside a secret cherry at the very next turn yeah. To just like bamboozle a person that cast burned down to the house. We're not going to call out any people calling out other people in that regard. <laughs> uh, but the number of times I've seen burn down the house be ineffective versus that exact force state has been shockingly high. I would just say it's just like, well, why do I even want to play burn down to the house? It's like kind of not very good. Obviously, they don't even live in their house. <laughs> right. They're, they're, all, they're over here just watching the fire, and then they're attacking you for eight the turn after you cast it. Yeah, and I also sometimes wonder if in some of those games, if we had just made three 1-1 one, one devils, if we would have won instead. And that's like a completely different story. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, there, I There know. is a reason that the couple of tournaments that I played with Epiphany, I never registered a sweeper other than Cinderclasm. Like, they were really oh, bad. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, also, Cinderclasm is really good with Galvanic Iteration. Back to the, you know, right. maybe Iteration should have been hit if you were specifically targeting Epiphany, but it's fine to target blue decks. Really, I, if you want to summarize the bands, I think they just wanted to reset the standard format completely. That's the net effect of this. Like, yes. You're not going to see Mono Green, Mono White as constructed. 
you're not going to see like blue red. I mean, I guess you might see like blue red dragons or blue red horror control, but they're going to have to look for something else to do at three mana because like the best option has been removed. Oh well, yeah, um, I mean, you just put something a little more awkward. Sure. You put one of the cancels in or something like oh, that. Oh, there's so many cancels in this one. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, maybe we see some blood on the snow, like mid-range Dirtily deck do well for once because they're not going to be shut out by, you know, seven time walks in a row with birds attached. Right. I think for next, once this ban hits, I think for at least a week after that, blood on the snow is going to be incredibly oh, yeah. good in standard. Yeah. It just I I agree. Like that's what happened in uh Alchemy. Like I, I won like twenty matches in a row with Blood on the Snow just because nobody was <laughs> playing blue cards and they all played creatures and you just like couldn't possibly lose. And I think that's gonna happen for a little while until people <laughs> go back to the blue cards. Yeah, I remember people playing like what it was black white splash, glass pool, mimic clerics and some BO one alchemy nonsense and the deck looked really much better than I thought it'd be when I looked at him, just like, this is just a bunch of idiots. Aren't people casting, like, some sort of Wrath of God? You should get destroyed. And the answer was, no, no one is, because the Wraths aren't very good. Yeah, they also had a a four-mana creature that put, like, 12 power into place. So. Yeah, well, we'll get to that one. But I when I saw that card for the first time and played with and against them, like, this card is outrageous. It's actually <laughs> kind of a sweet cube card, but it's kind of impossible to implement in paper because you have to trust people so yeah which is not allowed <laughs> well and you can't can you meet the requirement in cube like isn't it a hard number yeah. requirement that you just like can't really you hit have 20 form? creatures right is that, is that what it 20 is 20 cheap creatures well we're talking so, about inquisitor captain right yes yeah so okay. your deck needs yes. to all like all of the spells in your deck would need to be you need to play over 40 cards yeah yeah also also the weird thing about inquisitor captain which i didn't no, we haven't really talked about it much since yeah. it was spoiled, but it doesn't count your creatures in play. So if you have too many of your threes in play, it doesn't work anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I okay. Did. This I is... did find that out later. Okay. This this card's not printable on paper then. Uh, this is like a digital only thing. Yeah. I was thinking about it. how like if it only counted the initial construction of deck, that's fine. That's similar to Loris or Yorion or Karuga. That's like mm -hmm. kind of doable. Although like it, it is a lot of trust, obviously, but if it, if it actually dynamically checks, nope, that we're, we're out. That's yes. impossible. You just cannot ask people to do that in paper. If you wanted to do it in cube, I think you can errata it slightly to make it like function. Sure. And, yeah. And it, it, it can be like, it can have a weird companion, companion requirement. Type yeah. Deal. yeah. yeah. Th those cards are interesting to look at, and I'm sure we'll talk about them at the end towards. Yeah. Should we talk about the legacy? ban next yeah, or should we talk the, about the modern no ban when where do we want to sure. fit that in well let's talk about that first okay um, actually it's really funny canister this is the one time he allowed ban talk in his channel this is the <laughs> yes. br waiting room and he actually had a channel point bet of whether there were going to be modern bans or not and apparently the the bet was actually fairly even like there was like 50 50 like the bet naturally corrected itself if I had been there, if I wasn't busy, I would have bet no bans, and it turned out no bans was correct. And I think the reasoning for that is, from Watsi's side, is even if some of the cards are too good, no one's complaining. Why should they yeah. change anything? Yep. That's literally, it has, it's not just the cards are too good, or people complain, or something's like crushing. 
all three of those things have to be together, I think. It has to, like, be a confluence of events that, you know, come together. It, they're not going to do anything if just one thing happens nowadays, unless if it's so clear that it's out of range. Like, I, I don't know. What's a good example? Like, probably Treasure Cruise Take Through Time. Uh, I, that, second Sunrise, I guess. Oh, yeah. That, well... That one has logistic issues more than anything right. else. Right, it's but. weird for a different reason, but it's not like sure. It, it showed up in less than like two percent of deck lists. Yeah, got banned. Yeah, so I think there were some people hoping for a worse ban because like it probably is a little too good. But if not enough people complain about it, they're not going to take action on it. And I think there are ways to exploit most of the worst decks if you try hard enough spreading seas being a big notable one like they're meant like so the precept of a loris deck is all of your cards cost you know zero one or two so if you cast spreading seas on one of the lands it's effectively sinkhole and a lot of those decks are also saga decks so if that gets spreading seas that's also a disaster so it's not like these decks actually crush everything and some of those decks are just like super vulnerable to like fast combo too even though like fast combo has its weaknesses too well and and like you know it is often rendered unplayable by various like teferis and solitudes and stuff in the format but there's there's decks like living end that if your opponent presents luris at the beginning of the match they're like, <laughs> yeah i'm like 70 percent to win this match now do you lose most equity if they show up with literally drown the lock playing uh, living end i don't think so because you have having like four counter spells and the rest of their deck is bad against you is not enough to make it sure. a good matchup for them. <laughs> so, I mean like the Dothy, if they know how to sorry. use Dothy Voidwalker against oh, you, sure. then it becomes yeah, yeah, a thing. Yeah. But, but, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry. Lee, what, what were you saying? So like to clarify the ban modern talk, there was really only one card. Luris. Yeah. It's Luris. That yeah. I think people expected to get banned. I heard some talk of mistress bubble, but I think that's nah, just ridiculous. That's, it, Banning Bobble is the same as like banning Vengevine when Survival of the Fittest is the problem. Like, yeah, exactly. That's so and they to me that's just absurd. They actually never did that, thankfully. Like I think there was probably some temptation for them to ban Vengevine instead of Survival because Survival hadn't been broken so long. But then that just creates the issue when you print some card like Vengevine in the future, the exact same thing's gonna happen. So they just like took an axe of the engine card instead. Which I think is generally why I support kci remaining on the modern ban list even yeah. though i like that card it's just because it's a mm -hmm. degenerate engine card yeah once it's on the ban list it, the bar is so high for it to come off yeah and i'm not going to go into unbans ever because i think it's a pointless sure. topic and really the only time you see unbans from watsi is when they want to shake a format up and they're certainly not going to pick that one to begin with and they learned their <laughs> lesson with the golgari grave troll real fast that that shit didn't last very long whatsoever so there's a pretty high barrier to unbanning things. I think they realized that Stoneforge, Bloodbraid, and Jace were all safe because of where the power level for the format was at. Mm -hmm. And I had this weird experience uh, the days leading up to the ban list on Twitter because we knew it was sure. happening uh, since Thursday afternoon. Right. And for as far as Modern was concerned, pretty much everything I looked at was like, yeah, Modern doesn't really need any bans. I wonder if they're going to unban anything. And then people would say, what if Lurus gets banned? I don't think I'd care too much, yeah. or that's understandable, or I wouldn't be surprised. Something along those lines. But really, they don't really need to ban anything. So when I see right. it, I saw pretty much everyone sure. saying this. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're not going to do anything to the modern ban list. Yep. Even if, like, 
if you had a supercomputer that could tell you like what the format would look like and with no Luris and it's like, oh, it would be whatever metrics make a good format. It would be 10 percent better. Like it doesn't matter even if you had mm. that computer because people are fine now and people are playing it and people are having fun. Sure. So yeah. why change literally anything? Exactly. Yeah. Don't never change anything if no one's complaining. And if you, even if people are complaining, you have to make sure that there's enough people complaining and there's a real reason that the complaints are valid to take any action. Yeah. I am not super enjoying modern. I haven't played it. I've played sure. a lot more storybook brawl lately than I have played <laughs> modern, but sure. I recognize that I'm absolutely in a minority here and there's sure. no reason for like, there's no reason for me to advocate for serious changes to a format that everybody else is enjoying. So, See, yeah, I, I actually do like modern. Yeah, so I hate Luris. I wish it would have been banned. Sure. Right? Full disclosure, I just don't like the card at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but I watch modern streams every day, so I I still really <laughs> enjoy the format. <laughs> like, I, I, my life's gonna keep going on. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I've watched uh, uh, storybook brawl streams every day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so with regards to Loris, and I think the reason why people aren't complaining about it, I think the type of gameplay Loris generally promotes is the kind of gameplay people like, which is like super yes. interactive, like back and forth games that are mostly around creatures. You don't run into like any of the previous complaints of Modern, which is like two ships passing the night. When you play two Loris decks against each other, that basically almost never happens unless if it's literally hammer versus hammer, mm -hmm. which is like... The actually most degen Loris deck in the format, obviously. Yeah. But I think if you play like Grixis Shadow versus like Jun Saga, it's just like, well, you know exactly what's going to happen. Everyone's going to trade off stuff, and whoever has the last thing is going to win. And no, people really like that gameplay, I think, generally speaking. So that's why I think probably they didn't take action on Loris. Obviously, Loris, when it had no pay three to put in your hand, was actually just completely out of bounds. That was like. <laughs> Just not like what the hell was going on there? Like who decided this was a good idea? Uh, but with it costing like effectively six to put in your hand and play, that actually creates a lot of like difficult tensions versus Inquisition of Cosmic or Thoughtseize mm -hmm. because like I, I played a lot of these mirrors. I really try not to do that unless I have literally nothing else to do because it ends so poorly so often that uh you know if you just wait or get treasures with your ragavan or whatever, then you're just so much better off waiting to just do it all in one fell swoop. Because then they need a removal spell for the Lurus and probably the creature you played off of Lurus. So, you know. And with regards to, you know, modern, you know, Belcher wins now and then. It's just like, well, if Belcher's winning and Lurus is winning and some other random decks are winning, is the format really that bad is the question you have to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. I'd probably change the little things if I had sure. like unanimous power, but it wouldn't be that much. Yeah. And like the issues that I have with the format are mostly solved by like me playing Pioneer. So it's fine <laughs> for modern to exist the way it is. Like there is magic for me to play. So I no right. reasonable complaints on, on my part. Fair enough. So should we get to the monkey in the room? Yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. I knew this was going to come. I was actually sort of dreading you asking me about this, but I did volunteer for this. All right. <laughs> So this is my personal belief. I'm not going to call anyone out. I believe the real reason this card was banned was people do not like playing against it mm -hmm. in Legacy in combination with D's and Force of Will. Uh, 
it might be a little bit too good on rate, but uh, like that's such a weird argument to me in a format that has like basically all of the broken cards ever with the with the you know exception of the literal broken cards that are only played in one format so i think it's not just ragavan that's propelling the blue red wins it's a, a confluence of factors it's really the tri or the quadfecta i would say of murktide expressive iteration dragon rays channeler ragavan and you know the free counter spells and broken broken blue cards from your it's it's not just a one card deal ragavan just happens to be the latest symptom and if you're going to want to address this at some other further point if you think it's actually a problem which i don't know that's that's more of a philosophical question rather than an objective yeah, it's a, question it's a define what legacy is question well, yeah yeah is. or define what you're what you want your banalist to do question i think mm -hmm. as well because to me i don't think there's a clear mission station statement with their banalist in that format either and it's not clear to me that people advocating for bands of like ragavan or iteration really know what they want their format to look like either so it's just all those factors are sort of snowballed or like put together because someone can't decide what they want Legacy to be like at Wizards. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they literally have no one working on that ever. Like Yeah. So, so they they don't they don't define what any um, of their ban lists are for. Not anymore. They did well, for the very initial sure. modern ban list, the turn four thing. Well, and the very initial pioneer ban list when they're just gonna trying things out. But since then they just like right. banned slapdash to like air quotes keep things healthy yeah but I, no real game plan i yeah and that's what drives me nuts about this because like i think if they print another broken one drop people are just gonna like be like all right let's ban that one too we've already banned ragavan why shouldn't we ban this one then you'll just have the same repetitive pattern over and over like groundhog did you did. see dom's tweet oh yeah dom's tweet was excellent uh for those of you who don't know his tweet was so they really like writing the same paragraph over and over. It was four different tweets of legacy banless announcements with basically essentially the same paragraph. Yes. Yeah. Uh, citing the Delver deck of that time, some blue red focused one. <laughs> we, uh, oh, yeah. And explaining why the new card sure. needed to get banned. <laughs> so the history of the Delver bans has basically been like Delver is the best deck in legacy and has been since you know, approximately the printing of Delver. Uh, and then every couple of years, a threat gets printed that makes, you know, plus one extremely good threat is enough to make the deck incredibly good and, and you know, just dominating legacy, whether that's Deathrite Shaman, Oko, Dreadhorde Arcanist, you know. Ren and Six. Ren and Six, yeah. Uh, the it, it only takes one threat to push it over the top. But we are in a different spot right now because, like, yes, you can ban Ragavan. Ragavan was a good additional threat in the deck. But, like you just said, that's not the card that just came in and were one threat better than Delver is supposed to be. Delver mm -hmm. got Expressive Iteration and Dragon's Rage Channeler and Murktide Region. You just mm -hmm. slot in whichever threats you were trimming on in the Ragavan spots and you're gonna be fine like there's there's <laughs> options and the power level of the deck as is is not coming from one extra good one drop like the power mm -hmm. level is coming from force of will brainstorm 
ponder days days yeah expressive iteration so it's really funny that you said ever since double was printed i think even before that threshold was a fairly good deck even though the decks are horribly misspelled if you go back and look at them historically True. which i have recently just for fun i'm just like good god these decks look bad but they don't look so bad that i wouldn't play one in a tournament it's just like kind of what they're doing is inherently still good like they played like it, it actually, if you just go back to GP Philadelphia 2005 and look at the top of your decks, none of the threshold decks actually have Wasteland in them, which is like mind-boggling <laughs> by modern standards. And they their creatures were just so awful. It's kind of insane. Like, they were playing Mare, Werebear, they were playing Mystic Enforcer, and just like, these guys are not even yeah, remotely... Yeah, Threshold on it. Come on, that's in theme. I know. That's why it was called Threshold and not Delver. Yeah. You know, Werebear is a you do what you have to do with the cards that exist at the time. Mystic Enforcer, I think, was always questionable. Well, I don't really know why Mystic Enforcer was played, except it had protection from black, I guess. But, you know, it, it's kind of weird. I mean, I think the cards are really the card that actually really powered up the deck was Tarmogoyf in 2000, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the, the format back then actually had a huge issue because... For the GP I played that summer, uh, Flash was legal, and Protean Hulk was illegal, right. yeah. and that, uh, well, okay, I'll put it this way, the metagame became completely warped around that combo correctly, so I played Esper Fish with four main deck stifles and meddling mages, and uh, I lost two people who did not play around stifle in that GP, which made me sad, but <laughs> I also wasn't very good, and my deck was actually kind of not very good, except for Splash. Yeah, the tough spot where there's, like, one ultra-broken deck, and you can either play oh, yeah. that and run into hate, or you can just, like, play too much hate so you will lose to everything else. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I think, uh, literally, the times when Legacy Delver hasn't been best, it's usually because there's some engine card that shouldn't exist in the format. I'm going to look at Underworld Breach as Under the, yeah, the, just the biggest example of this card, and I'm just like, when everyone saw this card among my friend circle we're just like okay this is hideous hideously broken let's figure it out we're just like oh it's obvious lion's eye diamond brain freeze it's so easy like you you don't even have to play that many cards in your deck to make this work and the rest of your deck can literally just be protection around it see force of will see brainstorm see ponder <laughs> see even we played teferi three and orange chant because we were yeah. like I mean, those cards are just absurd, and if you expect people to play Orm's Chant in the Mirrors, then what better way to one-up them to play Teferi 3 so you don't even have to worry about that card. So, uh, yeah, Underworld Breach, and Omnitail Dig, I think, was very, very, very good, but had some really weird glaring weaknesses that I don't think were ever fixable, but the deck was just kind of outrageous besides that. If they really want this to not be a problem, they should... Well, Wizards... And not myself, they should really ask themselves, okay, do we want this deck to exist forever in various forms? And if we don't want it to look exactly like this, what can you take out of the deck and still keep enough people happy in the format? Because at its core, I don't think there's really that many legacy players as compared to like modern or pioneer, you know, players. Well, uh, the pioneer thing, I guess, is debatable now because of various circumstantial things but like standard or you know alchemy or whatever yeah like it's a small player base and yeah. anytime someone recommends unbanning something that's 
from Legacy that's like on those Earth lists, I'm like, you're out of your mind. They're never going to do that. <laughs> in, in fact, they should go farther and they should pretty much ban everything on that reserve list and then see, or, see what's... Or, or hear me out. Why does yeah. the reserve list have to exist? Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'm not. I'm opening a can of worms <laughs> that could last like another two hours, right? Well, no. I mean, I think we all just agree that the reserve list should not exist. That's, that's a very easy. That that that's a whatever. Okay, I'm slow gonna. Pitch. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say one thing about it. Okay. And then we're just gonna move on. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, I I read about the reserve list recently. And wizards actually changed their reserve list policy early on, uh, like after Chronicles and such, when they implemented it. Yeah. Because it was so popular to just have uh, all the commons and uncommons from Alpha and such just to not be on the reserve list. So it was just like, all right, this is super popular. So even say, we're, we're going to do it. We're just removing those cards from the reserve list. And they just never addressed that again. <laughs> <laughs> just. <laughs> I see. Okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and nobody sued them. Amazing. Amazing. All right, so I guess we should move on to the alchemy and historic changes. So memory lapse moved to the ban list from the suspended list. Very relevant, very important information to have. You you can never memory lapse somebody ever again in historic. <laughs> we'll see. That does have one effect. Uh, you get four wild cards. Nice. Ah, that's true. But only if you crafted memory lapse before. Yeah, if you had them, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, if you were playing Historic seriously at any point, you sh you sh it was the best card in the format. You well, should have crafted when, your memory lapses. When when memory lapse was printed, all I remembered was that extended Psychotalk decks used to play four of this card in addition to Counterspell because you could cast it off Nightscape Familiar on turn three mm. when you would tap out for Nightscape Familiar and then lapse them Ugh. and then just cast your Factor Fiction and then find another Counterspell. I'm just like, you know, this... Card was really good, and I think the arena zoomers don't understand this. Like, I mean, I'm well, I'm using <laughs> I'm I'm using zoomer in an affectionate stance, but like, I think sometimes lapse is even more pernicious than remand because instead of you drawing card, if they just have one card and you lapse it, good luck, good oh. luck. You're never getting out of this. I'm gonna just lapse you three times while I develop my board, and you can't really go anywhere. It creates a lot of I, really bad feels situations, especially yes, when they exactly. like, are expressive iterationing to find a land and you like lapse it. And so they're just like, you know, uh, they're yeah, in trouble it's, then. It's like when Chittering Rats was a good card in Popper. And people oh, play it a yeah, bunch, yeah. Where you just, oh, I guess I just don't get any more turns. That's kind of cool. Sweet block <laughs> card. <laughs> oh, recently, uh, today I was playing the Ravnica Cube. I blightening, or I, it's not blightening, it was Carnival Carnage. I did it to someone in their draw step off electro dominance. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and the person just like right click conceded on the spot because they had no hand, and I I had like a five power creature on board or whatever. Yeah, there's there's a reason they don't give instant speed discard. Yeah, any sort of lockouts like that are just really not very pleasant to play against. I agree. Yeah, turns out having a draw step is really fun, and you should not take that <laughs> yes. away from players ever. Yes. T Teferi Time Raveler has been rebalanced and unbanned. Costs uh, four now. Yeah, so now Teferi Time Raveler costs two, a blue and a white. It has an extra loyalty, and its static is changed to your opponents can't cast spells during your turn, which absolutely should always have been the text, and the unintended yep. consequences of the wording that it has in paper 
have been vast and kind of horrifying to be honest finale of promise is that the one yeah the red one yeah stop stop finale of promise even in standard it is just a an easily main deckable hate card against suspend and cascade and various other things and i don't think that's what the card was intended to do so it was it was not intended to be a defense grid for my white blue combo deck question mark mm. i think it is fine doing that that's kind of like as intended the okay. like just uh, all of a sudden a bunch of your opponent's cards don't work anymore is definitely sure. uh the bring to light uh interaction is especially <laughs> right. to me is the uh so i mean this is probably fine or whatever and like upping the mana cost to four like teferi is a problem when it's good against everything and being at three yeah. mana so you can bounce a creature and not feel bad about your tempo is like that was one of the big reasons it was so good you could just play four of it and it's fine right. in game one of every matchup uh making it cost four mana is a pretty significant difference for this type of card it is kind of weird though because their philosophy on nerfs had included like well we're not going to nerf any like old classic cards and at this point like teferi and his text are like super defined and he's like constantly played in paper modern and it's weird having two versions of Teferi Time Raveler, both of which yep. we'll probably see play in their formats. See, this is because you're right. They did say that, but they really only meant it for cards that weren't currently on the historic ban list because they want no ban list, I'm sure. They're just going to eventually rebalance all the cards on the ban list. <laughs> I see. Yep. Except for like the archive cards, right? Like they're not going to change yeah, Time Warp's text legal. or Counterspell's text or anything like that. Oh yeah, just up up time warp time warp exile itself. You got it. They're so they they have to be so burnt out on on time walk effects. Like they're just I, are they ever going to print one ever again at this point? Maybe Probably. not. Yes, <laughs> yes they will. They 100%. will. But yeah, they'll just reprint time stretch into standard, and no one will play it except for degen ramp decks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the time warp effects are extremely popular, despite yeah. how like not healthy they are <laughs> <laughs> when you're playing a, a zero-sum fun game then taking all the turns denies your opponent the opportunity to take those turns like we we understand i used to have a bunch of foil odyssey time stretches uh, <laughs> when i played commander because i wanted a bunch of them because this was great and this was like before commander was like big so they were dirt cheap mm -hmm. i I have probably lost them. I don't know. Got the went. golden years when all this stuff. Oh, they're a hundred dollars each. No, that's yeah, a hundred dollars for a foil. Don't time just stretch. don't tell me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure oh, TCG no. mid is one ninety nine. I don't know what price you're looking at. Yeah, no, I'm. Well, now I'm seeing one fifty for the Odyssey ones. Okay, I have no sure. idea. It doesn't matter. They're gone forever. This was over a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to be reminded of this thousands of dollars he lost. Chris, you have to make sure he doesn't... I mean, at sure the time, they were not $1,000, I can tell you that. <laughs> no, I meant in, in total, but, like, oh, yeah. just don't remind him of his monetary losses for no reason. Did you uh, recently buy a bunch of Bitcoin? Because that would also not have gone super well for you, either. One of my favorite things to do in Commander was just Time Stretch and uh, Mischievous Queenar, which was a creature. <laughs> yeah, so from, uh, I don't know, Legions, I think. It's, it's from Legions, I'm pretty so. sure. Yeah. 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 I was really into that, and I know there are commander people out there today that just love casting time stretch. So, yep. you know, they're just going to keep printing them. I think one of the most expensive blue cards is uh, 
one of the conspiracy cards that you get to either take permanence or turns. It's one of the uh, conspiracy cards. Oh yeah, they each opponent like gets to choose if you like steal. I don't know what I don't know exactly how the cards work, <laughs> yeah. but basically, yeah. Taking extra turns in commander has like way more value than in constructed because you're denying like three opponents their next turn. Like that's really good. <laughs> yep. Possibly forever. <laughs> <laughs> Infinite value. Oh, so Teferi Time Raveler costs four in this one format and has slightly different decks. Probably still an okay card. I don't I don't think it's like broken now. It's merely good, is how I would put it. That like it's still a card that if you resolve it in the blue white mirror, you're you're gonna win. You know? And it's just a little tougher to mm -hmm. do that. But right. I think that it will still be like a a game game state goal to have a teferi in play in certain matchups so right so for historic changes do y'all want to talk about nerfs first or buffs first i i just i i want to go through these dun these dungeon cards okay well let's go through the dungeon cards then which are all buffs right <laughs> technically so can i read i'm the i'm their little paragraph i'm dying looking sure. at this yes so okay. the, one of their little headers for the alchemy rebalance changes they buffed a bunch of cards, uh, only two of which are not dungeon cards. <laughs> uh, they said that their two primary goals with this set of changes are to make decks centered around the venture keyword action, less clunky, and more reliable at winning games. Which is mm. like... So that's not enough. Why? Right, exactly. <laughs> why? That's, that's not enough of an explanation of why you do this. You can't just say... We want to make the venture cards better. You have to say, number one, have you? do you think you've done enough to make this relevant? Number two, why do we want the venture cards to be good? Like, what's the goal here? What is the format direction that we're trying to take that involves specifically, like, making a venture deck good? Like, why are we so hell-bent on, like is it the dungeon animation do we just want players to get to see that again because we're really proud of it like <laughs> what's the what's the gameplay goal here in buffing these cards and also why did you think this would do that i am very confused as someone who basically has played very little alchemy but my impression is like the, the venture cards were not priced to move to begin with, but also if you go the, all the way through a dungeon, don't you get like very minimal benefit? You get it's very like, little for it. Like, it's not very I don't, rewarding. I don't understand. Like, I, I agree with you. Like, why do they want this to be a thing? It doesn't seem like the payoff is actually there. Like, what, what do you actually get? Like a glorious anthem creature, something like that, and maybe like slightly buffed. I don't know. It, it's very weird. So I just want to like... I, I don't know, Lee, if you want to, like, trade off or something. I just want to go over the buffs to these cards because they honestly read like an Onion article <laughs> or something. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I, I, so there's easy ones, right? Uh, Precipitous Drop and Faith's Reversal and Cloister Gargoyle all got their mana cost reduced by one. But these are, like... These Those are, are all okay like draft, draft commons. commons. Like, one of them's a, yeah. one of them's a Raise Dead, one of them is... Gosh, I don't. It's an know. aura based like... removal spell. The other one's like yeah. an O three that. Well, it was an O four that became a three four flyer. Now it's a O three that becomes, I guess, like a three three flyer. Yeah, whenever you completed a dungeon. 
you know, these are all like draft commons and uncommons that now are like higher pick draft commons and uncommons. It's find the path to a green enchantment aura enchant land. When it enters the battlefield, venture into the dungeon. It used to have enchanted land has tap add GG to your mana pool. Now it has tap add two mana of any one color to your mana pool. That's what was holding the dungeon decks back. They weren't getting all yeah, of they didn't have good enough fixing colors off of find the path. What? Well, well, it was hard to play Find the Path and Triumphant Adventurer in the same deck. That is the white black <laughs> two drop. Yes. Yeah. Well, you still That's can't not... cast. You still can't cast it off of this thing, right? Because it's two mana of one color. Right. I'm sure they'll adjust that in the next one if we complain <laughs> enough. Uh, oh, great! We didn't do a good job of enabling your white black spells with this. So, was that Dawn's Reflection from Fifth Dawn? That did the same thing? Yeah, Dawn's Reflection does it. And then Key to the Archive is probably a card people would actually know mm-hmm. <laughs> that does that as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we, I've... we have the okay. technology for add two mana in any combination. But yes, Travis, you're right. You, you nailed that card name. I'm proud of you. Well, I drafted a lot of Fifth Dawn. <laughs> I mean, like, how was it you're casting your Skyrush Mantis for like five Sunbursts? Like, yeah. You need a Dawn's Reflection in there. You definitely need that. Or Vidalcan Engineer. One, one of the two. Yeah. Vidalcan Engineer was the way to do it because that lets you catch cast your Skyreach Mantis like oh on turn three for five schedule. colors yeah yeah on turn three for five colors and just attack your opponent four times yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah I I just had to sneak that one there key to the archive I read this card over and over I'm just like why is this something you want to put into a format it's like it's not very like it kind of just feels broken it is how I would put it. It it is pretty pretty busted. I'm also offended that it's clearly a Strixhaven alchemy card, and they just put it in an Innistrad yes. alchemy set. Yes, like it, what, it gets what you it? only cards from the Mystical Archive. Well, where can I see what cards are in the Mystical Archive? Oh, Spellbook. Oh, yeah, they're all of... the Mystical Archive cards. Yep. I see. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's the key to the archive. Yep. It, yeah. It's just Wait. absolutely oh, one million yeah. percent a Strixhaven card that they just couldn't not include. We broke Jarvis. So nice, nice putrefy that you can cast off of your uh, key to the archive. Yeah, the problem though is if your opponent got their key out first and then they putrefy yours, and then you're stuck with this black green card in hand, and you can't kill their key. Why I've am I getting seen it happen? Um, I see. Okay. All right. Uh, should we talk about the other cards that got changed? I want to talk about the level of buff that went into dungeon descent just because like the original design of this card was so mind-boggling oh i i remember that i read that card the first time like is this good then it became very clear it wasn't good no you couldn't even play it in the limited format there was no way to run it and it's a rare land yeah rare land original text comes into play tapped tap at a colorless for tap tap an untapped legendary creature you control venture venture into the dungeon activate only as a sorcery they removed comes into play tapped like the biggest buff you can possibly give a land and then they took three mana off of the activation cost still going to be completely unplayable obviously it, it does not look very good no because we talked about how venturing into a dungeon is not even that powerful of an effect like also how many legendary creatures do you want to tap on your turn instead of attacking with i think primarily uh nadar because that also ventures into the dungeon Whoa. and is a legendary creature huh synergy but don't you doesn't it have an attack trigger uh it does have an attack trigger yes <laughs> i think i'm thinking more magda and less 
It's a card. You yeah, Magda is Magda's a good one, but it doesn't have enough synergy with dungeoning. <laughs> like red's not a dungeon color. Well, you get treasures, and treasures let you cast things, and you draw cards after venturing into a dungeon. We get treasures from the dungeon, Jarvis. So yeah, the problem with all of these ideas and also all of these dungeon cards is they're like very reliant on medium creatures attacking a bunch, and uh, that's not possible in the format as is because the black deck just doesn't let you do that. Uh, you you can't play black you can't play creatures against the the shambling ghast and various <laughs> blood artist effect deck. So. I don't think that minorly buffing a bunch of dungeon cards, like, it's just going to have a completely invisible effect on the, f it's not going to do anything. It's so weird. They, they yeah. took, they took one loyalty off of the cost of Eliwick Tumblestrom's ultimate. Why, why bother? Why put the, like, time into doing this? Just what's the payoff? Okay, I, I think I actually have a rational answer for all of this. I think someone was looking at patch notes from other games and they're like, how can we model our thing based on that and make completely random changes in random places and see if the metagame changes? Now, the real problem is that only works in a game like TFT or like an auto battle because literally all the units are played almost every game. Yeah. Whereas they've chosen to affect cards that most people are very unlikely to even know exist or even care about. So Which Magic having issue. a limited format and cards that function entirely for the purpose of that limited format just means that it operates in a different way from games mm -hmm. whose expansions are, you know, 45 cards and almost all of them have some constructed purpose. Like, there mm -hmm. just are a lot of cards that aren't supposed to be played and constructed. That's the way it's always been, and that's sure. fine. That's Yep, I agree with that. I mean, like, no one complains that, like, Skullduggery is not playable in Constructed, even though it was, like, probably one of the best draft commons in Nick's on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it, yeah, it's fine. There's a place for it, and that's the limited format. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's a lot of ranting to say that venturing into a dungeon is not very good, unless if you can do it an infinite number of times with a learn plus uh, Aserac. <laughs> yes, that, that does work. Does it still? Let me check. Yeah, it does. Uh, they they changed the attack trigger on Aserac, which you actually uh, never want to attack with if you're venturing infinitely. Because oh, you see. never complete his dungeon. Oh, I see. That's funny. Uh, yep. Because we're not going into Gemini. We're going to... I don't yeah. even remember which one it is anymore. I just... It's the I one just, that isn't Descent of the Mad Mage. It's whatever... It's the, the one that draws you a card and gets you a treasure. So I just I just right-click concede when that happens because yes. I don't have time for that anymore. <laughs> I only know the name of two of the dungeons, and I know it's the one that I don't know the name of. <laughs> in uh, non-legacy formats, you can do it with Rooftop Storm, but that one's not oh, I, yet. And I hope it won't be because I think if you try to do that, you are likely to burn all of your ropes. You get a little bit back. You, you get the triggered ability and stuff. I, you, I, you, I don't know. You, you don't get enough back to like do it the 120 plus times or whatever you need to. <laughs> just wait Just wait for the next patch notes where their primary goal with this set of changes are to introduce Rooftop Storm so that Venture decks get to Venture more. <laughs> you mean Ventured an infinite number of times? <laughs> it would certainly increase the total number of Ventures done in Constructed Arena. I... I I, th I feel like that was a good flavor thing they were aiming for, and it was kind of a miss on terms of like constructed fire level, which is fine, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, 
I, I can talk about dungeons, but it's not super relevant. <laughs> <laughs> the the problem was that you entered the same dungeon like eighty percent of the time, and right, it yeah. it just wasn't very interesting. Uh, assemble from parts, my most despised card from this set, got a buff. The this is the one that gives a creature card in your graveyard a perpetual ability. You pay now one BB, exile the card from your graveyard, then shuffle it into your library. And then you create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a 4-4 black zombie in addition to its other types. Just the worst templating I've ever seen on any magic card. I hate I'm this reading... thing. Uh, I, it, it's not the worst templating I've seen because I saw Grizzled Huntmaster or whatever. I guess they well. did one-up themselves. <laughs> okay, the but also, like, I'm reading this card, I'm like, so we just activate the Scarab God once, but instead of exiling it, we shuffle it into our deck? No, we exile it, and then we shuffle it into our deck. Don't forget, we gotta change zones a couple of times here. And also, it gets a perpetual uh, ability, and then it goes into your deck, so you don't have access to the perpetual ability anymore. It's Wait, what? Well, you do, it's just in your library. It's just in your library. Oh, sure. You have to just, like, mill yourself again or whatever. Right, it creates a quest that is impossible to to fulfill. Like, get this into your graveyard again, you can make another zombie. That's not gonna happen, I'm gonna die. So, I think the reason, the only reason it says perpetually is so you can cast this on, like, an off turn and then just be able to do it next turn, right? I think it's so that it can be in the alchemy set. Yeah. Yeah, or that, but, like... I think normal like magic templating, if 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 it said this creature card gains this ability, most of the time it would say until end of turn. And that's like not fun if you don't have enough mana or whatever. Right. I'm just saying this card shouldn't exist because it just doesn't mm-hmm. work and it sets up weird promises that don't make any sense. And like giving a card a perpetual I mean, ability and then immediately shuffling it into your deck is I, just a bizarre set of choices. I, I, I'm looking at this card and what I really see is this is one B, 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 reanimate. It's just one B, 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 reanimate, right? Well, it's it's four mana total. Yeah, it's one mana, mana and then three mana reanimate, but reanimate as a four, four. Yeah. Sure. So, well, like, if we're doing that, we're not, like, doing anything fair. We're, like, getting, like, Sarah... Oh, well, it's, it's alchemy, so never mind. So you would have to get, like, Holebreaker Horn to play or something like that? I don't know. And it's a token, so if it gets bounced, it die. It, like, goes away. Yeah, <laughs> uh, okay, this is not very appealing. Yeah. It's very confusing. Why they buffed it? That it's still not very appealing. <laughs> I... Uh... <laughs> All right. Let's go to buffs. Yeah, let's go They're to more buffs. interesting than these garbage cards. Or go to nerfs. Or sorry, not yeah, nerfs. Yeah. Go to the good cards that yes are slightly less good. We already talked about Holebreaker Horror. Uh, they just remove the text. The spell can't be countered. Yeah, I I think that's oh. really weird. I also think okay. it's really weird that we will be playing a bunch of this card in standard and probably a reasonable amount of this card in alchemy, and it just has like a line of text that's like really easy to forget. Like if you switch from one format yeah. to the other, it's like very easy for that to mess you up. Yep. Uh, what about the five by zero? They changed it so that you don't learn unless you bounce a spell or permanent with mana value four or less. I okay, so I actually like this change quite a bit, and I think this actually makes a ton of sense mm-hmm. because then you're not like the problem with remand and repulse is the really good versus expensive cards. Now you finally fix the problem. Like okay, if you only trade evenly on mana, you don't you get something, or if you trade like one up on mana, you get something. 
with you are like getting a huge mana advantage, you get nothing instead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think this is just like kind of the ideal change. Yeah, I, I agree. That one I think they nailed. I buy that. Yeah. I, I, I completely accept this this nerf. I think if they had this technology, like if they were willing to issue Verata to real cards, that they would have done this in standard. Sure. Mm-hmm. That that looks like a very good change to me personally. Uh fierce- fearsome. Yeah. yeah. I'll, oh, I got this. I got this. Go go for it. <laughs> Fe- fearsome wealth, uh, which is the one one dragon with flying, that discounts your dragons. It triggers in the end step, or excuse me, it triggers in the upkeep now instead of the end step to give sure. your dragons uh, one less cost. But they gave it haste. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of immediate value. Uh, uh, I, th- I guess. I, I think this this obviously like this may kill the dragons deck entirely, but. I, from a design standpoint, I like this change that gives you opportunities to interact with what this thing is doing. But it makes it like much closer to just being a mana dork that gives you a window of vulnerability than the thing that it was doing before, which is like making your any hand with fearsome <laughs> whelp into it into a really good hand. I I'm looking at this card and I'm just like, how the hell did we power creep from like Bosk Banneret to this card. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really thinking because I remember Warwin and Morning Tide had a bunch of cards that looked like this, and they are significantly worse than this card. There's also like the weird dragon one. I think uh, was it Blade Blade Wings Cohort. So there's like Dragon Speaker Shaman or something like that. Does it reduce it by two? Yeah, Dragon Speaker Shaman. Yeah. one red red makes your dragons cost two less to but it costs three instead of two and this is a lot closer to that card if it said end step than it is to the other card i was describing which is boss banneret Mm -hmm. because like if you even kill it they still are like well i've already ruby banali and all my dragons which is kind of powerful effect so wow this card i cannot believe it said end step before and i think giving it haste like kind of is irrelevant i don't really think that access matters very much I mean, in that deck, like, every point of damage does kind of matter because of Town Razor Tyrant and, and stuff like that, but... And the four red, red, six, six haste that has fire breathing. Yeah, like, whatever. you just, like, yeah. little bits of chip damage do add up and then ultimately allow you to close out a game. So, like, the haste isn't totally irrelevant, but obviously it's much, much weaker than it was when it, like, always gave you the bonus unless they had their instant speed removal spell right then. By the way, I figured out the card I was thinking of. It is Edgewalker from Scourge. Ah. It's a one white, black, white, two, two. Cleric spells you play cost white, black, less to play. This effect reduces only the amount of colored mana you pay. I was always like fascinated by that card for some reason. I don't know if it was just like the templating was it, so weird has, to me. If I'm thinking of the art, I liked the art. It was I really good. Up, yeah. Just like star space face. Yeah. Yeah, the the thing about that card is I think it would be really powerful if there were a lot of expensive clerics that had like white black in the casting loss, but I don't think there were an onslaught block, so it was kind of a weird yeah. card to put in, right? I mean it mostly like reduced their cost by a mana, yeah. But nowadays when there are actually black white clerics in say uh Zendikar Rising had a bunch of black white clerics, I believe. A bunch of them, yeah. Yeah. Edgewalker would have been like pretty darn good in that format, but you know. Oh yeah, like on arena if you had it you could cast it and then just like dump three clerics out of your hand for zero mana each like yeah yeah and uh, i don't think anyone would have had fun with that they probably would have complained about it even though like this card's inherently not 
it's very focused on doing one thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Fearsome Whelp is easier to cast and almost as good as that card, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, from a, like a interactivity and and like gameplay standpoint, I think it's it's good to give the opportunity to interact with the mana dork, but it does like sure. really change the playability of this card, and I don't mm -hmm. know that dragon decks will survive it. It makes your draws like so much less reliable and you can easily just end up with a handful of four and five mana spells that you were hoping to start casting much earlier. Is there another like mana rock, like orb of dragon kind? Yeah. I think is what. Yeah. So you is used that to also have... an alchemy card? Just a, oh, I see. Just a card card. Okay. Oh, wow. That card's really good for dragons. I yeah. see. That's why the deck worked. Yeah. Yeah, you have both of those. So, like, you always have a turn two manic dork. And this one, if you fought out, you can go get a big dragon from your deck essentially wow i'm pretty impressed now like i think without the fearsome whelp obviously this deck doesn't really quite work but with both of them it well, you, made sense you probably have to still play the fearsome whelp it's just that when they remove it you're, you're yeah dead, dead turns. right you might just you, you, skip a turn yeah well you you might just not draw your fourth land and literally be dead with the town razor tyrant or whatever that card's called in your hand yeah i mean the difference between turn three town razor tyrant and skip my turn and have a town razor tyrant in hand <laughs> is uh usually a game winning yeah. difference i would agree with that you know i when, when i read that card too i'm just like so it's obsidian fireheart but you don't have to pay mana and like it's a four four flyer yeah this card actually got changed so town razor tyrant <laughs> yeah was one of the nerfed cards uh they just added non-basic to its target oh. They so it used to can target whatever land yeah. you wanted, but now but, it can only target non-basic. Pretty minuscule sure. nerf overall. I, I was going to say, I feel like from what I saw of people winning that format, there are plenty of dual lands or whatever to target that like that seems kind of irrelevant to me. Well, and the monocolor decks always have a faceless haven in play, so... Yeah. Well, maybe they don't anymore. Well, in, uh, in Alchemy, in Alchemy they, they do. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> it's the 3-3, three -three, but it's still a faceless haven. <laughs> sure uh, so they also nerfed inquisitor captain it can no longer get glass pool mimics to copy itself uh because the, the way it works now is uh this only triggers if you cast it so if you copy so, it you don't get the the etp or flicker it, it. Th th this is really funny because mm, this is an yeah, exact true. nerf that happened before if anyone remembers their magic history oh what card great whale oh, oh no i don't remember <laughs> that far back that was so like, was so <laughs> A lot of the cards that said untap X lands when it came to play got a rod to say only if you cast it from your hand because of recurring nightmare, I believe. Gotcha. Yeah. So they didn't want like the stupid infinite mana combos with like, I think it was like, but then they like undid that like weird power rod at some point as well. Like now it works again. So this is actually not the first time that a change like this has happened to a card like this. Like, if you cast it, it's like, uh, does Hypnox say that too? It might. Actually. I think Hypnox always said that. Is Hypnox the giant nightmare? Yeah. Yeah. It's the eight. It's the one that you hit in Momir and you're like, well, this is like okay, but not great. I mean, it's an eight eight flyer. It's no like hover guard sweepers Slouch. or whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> sure. Anyways, I I think it's funny that this like they they kind of forgot a lesson essentially. I think in designing this card, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they were just forced to relearn it, which, you know, that's fine. Like, sometimes you forget. Like, whoever was designing the card probably did not know about the Great Whale being, like, 
eroded back and forth. <laughs> yeah, well, so I, I think it is correct to make it not work with glass pool mimic. I think yeah. that was like an unintended part of the design. It is a pretty huge nerf that you can no longer ephemerate it to get an additional sure. trigger. Uh, and that's that's really rough for this card. It's still probably going to be pretty good uh, yep. in the alchemy format, but I don't know if it's going to reach back into historic anymore with this nerf. Yeah, I think it might, one of, but... One of the cool it, historic things you could do is like get a soul herder with it and yep. then soul herder it. Mm -hmm. But now you can't which, anymore. Like, yeah, yeah, now you can't do that. Yep. Yeah, soul herder is a banger of a card. That's, that's like one of my favorite MH1 cards because I don't think it's really overpowered, but when it gets going, it does feel like it's like completely broken, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually really enjoyed it in the floated format because there's a lot of incidental exiling. Mm -hmm. Like the, one of the commons was like a flicker or an exile-based removal spell, and just or both. Or both. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was settled beyond reality. I drafted a ton of MH1. <laughs> uh, Lear also got a nerf. Uh, it can't flashback spells on your opponent's turn. So you can't like that change. You yeah. can't protect it with the fading hope that you already used to tempo them. Uh, I think that's a good change overall. I, I think this was also a lesson that they actually knew before because I believe Kess has that warning, right? Yeah, Kess only works on your turn. So like, it's kind of weird that we had to relearn this lesson. I don't, I don't, I don't mind them like trying stuff out because I okay, think sure. their intent with the can't be countered thing was that you couldn't could continuously counter all your opponent's spells oh, and that would remove sure. a lot of the interaction on their turn so that, that's sure. what they were going for it just so happens that you can do a lot more on your opponent's turn than just counter spells i mean honestly i think that the biggest unforeseen thing and i think this is totally fair is that unsummon became a four of in a lot of decks and that's just really good with right. this ability and i don't I, I think it's reasonable for them not to realize that unsummon is going to be a four of in these standard decks sure that's fair it really hasn't been except barring weird snapcaster vapor snag things or very like roar of the worm made unsummon playable yes. i guess is how i would put it and those are each you know like one of those like each of those was like a decade ago and then a decade before that. it's like it's very it, yeah, rare that it becomes yeah. a thing it, it's probably once per decade yeah. on average actually <laughs> do you count how do you count um unsubstantiate or like the vadrock thing does that count as a no, uh that's, that's a little that, different that, though that's that's different because that's like a weird engine deck that happens to have an unsummon in it but it's an unsummon that costs two and really only exists because it's like a good interactive spell or let me rephrase it it's an okay interactive spell that like actually lets you full combo if you really need it to and this, yeah. this also gives us an opportunity to remind our audience that Unsummon was only playable in the best of one version of that deck because it was legal on arena only. So you couldn't play it in best of three in that deck, but you could play it in best of one. Weird. Yep. One of the, the weirder things that has happened because of arena. Our last nerf is Sanguine Brushstroke, uh, which you just don't gain life from sacrificing the blood anymore. They still lose the life, your opponents, but you don't gain life anymore from blood. I'm not sure how to value. Yeah. All this does is ruin the aesthetics of the card without <laughs> yeah, like, affecting its power level in a meaningful way. I agree yeah. with that. Uh, I think this card is like mostly the same, really. And like, I agree. The ace. Now that it's not like symmetrical with blood artists, I'm like, didn't we just ruin the elegant design of the card instead of like trying to nerf it? Yes. Yep. I so, mean, yeah. 
sorry go ahead my least favorite part about this is their reasoning uh i'll read this sentence uh we opted to change sanguine brushstroke instead of the meat hook massacre to minimize the impact on historic and to have less of the deck's power be concentrated in a single card so right there you can see the problem with applying all of these changes to multiple formats yes. because they want to make a change to the meat hook massacre but recognizing that that would be more impactful and historic than in alchemy they just change a card in diff uh, an entirely different card <laughs> yeah, yeah it's really really egregious that this is the way this is happening but and and so the thing is like taking the life gain from the sacrificing a blood token off of this card you don't sacrifice that many blood tokens in a game with this card to like number one and when you do it's usually like well i cast my third sanguine brushstroke now i will go ahead and sacrifice these blood tokens to like deal the last nine damage to you and the life gain is like <laughs> extremely irrelevant at that point uh... and the way that this deck works you have the all these blood artists that you keep bringing back because they are real cards. Uh, so you keep Agadim's Awakening them back or, or whatever. And you have Meat Hook Massacres that you cast like a lot of times. Like, like you have so much life gain already that the life gain from these blood tokens that sacrificing them is usually like one of the last things that you do in a game is like pretty irrelevant. Every once in a while, I've sacrificed a blood token to like stay alive it's not a, it's not a much of a difference maker. You have plenty of life gain sources in this deck. Mm -hmm. I just mostly dislike again how like unilaterally they ship the changes. Mm -hmm. Like making alchemy the digital only, we're gonna make changes to cards format, but the cards we change also affect historic. Yeah, and this is the problem with that. Right now, they're clearly serving like divergent masters here, and it is causing them to make decisions that they think and seem to be like worse than decisions that they could make yep uh definitely agree i foresaw this being an issue when they announced alchemy and i was afraid of this stuff and you know sadly it ended up being a problem it, there was definitely universes where it wouldn't have been a problem whatsoever yeah that's why to me this the sanguine brushstreak nerf is the most salient because even though it's the least relevant one, like it probably has the least impact of all of these cards. But the reasoning is just uh, red flags. Agreed. I mean, like, was it just too much to ask for all of the alchemy changes to be restricted to alchemy only? I don't think so. So the, the extra brutal thing here, I, how it plays out, too is and i mean we have moved well past like historic exists so that you have a place to keep playing your standard cards after they rotate out see they're not gone forever but if you simultaneously like take all of the cards that are good in standard and nerf them a little bit so they're not as good and then also print modern horizons 2 cards into historic like what standard cards are going to continue to be playable <laughs> in historic if you nerf the good ones and then they have to play against like dragon's rage channeler and faithless looting and like winota and stuff i guess no i'm, I'm thinking about pioneer that people are playing winota in again winota is still banned in historic right for now for yeah, now for, for now for now but i think it, it'll probably remain that way until they like make it not very good mm-hmm 
I don't, I don't know if y'all y'all want to keep talking about the nerfs. I have some different weird thing in this article to talk about. I'm down. Go for it. So in this rebalancing article, uh, they say that in addition to the 18 rebalance cards, they rebalance to Fairy Time Raveler and blah 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 blah. And before you ask, you get to keep your wild cards from the original banning. That text is in the article verbatim, what I just read. Which means someone at Wizards put that in there thinking that, ugh, they're going to think we're going to take their wild cards away from them. <laughs> How could you even And why would that? they think that? <laughs> right. You can only think that people would think it if it's like, yeah, they're going to assume the absolute worst. They're going to give us the least charitable possible <laughs> interpretation of what might happen here. Because they deserve uh. it. Why wouldn't we? <laughs> But I also just would not have thought that. <laughs> like, I, I also would not have go, thought that. <laughs> am I going to go in wildcard debt now if they keep rebalancing <laughs> cards? Negative three mythic wildcard. Negative three rare wildcards. Good luck. You have, to farm, you have to farm more wildcards before you can make any progress. I, I open a pack and it says, thank you. This covers your last to fairy. <laughs> it, just, it just flips it into it to fairy. And I just thought that was such a wild thing that's that they some, included in the article. That's some, like, Black Mirror stuff right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, it is so Black Mirror. <laughs> now, all right. I think we hit everything, right? We made fun of all the stuff I wanted to make fun of. Well, I, I have one more rant about bannings. It, it won't take very long. You're good. I, I think a huge issue with bannings nowadays is the lack of a schedule like, I actually think that made it so bad and it made it so toxic because people are like, well, can I really buy this deck? I don't know. It might just be banned on a Monday after lunch. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that being the meme that they set for themselves. We're at lunch. We won't announce anything. Blah, blah, blah. But then someone was like, well, then what if they need an emergency ban? And then my response was, you know, they've emergency banned things off schedule like two or three times in Magic's history if they felt like that that was necessary. That's not an issue. They can just do that whenever they want, and no one cares. But, like, I think having the schedule was good, and then them taking it away was actively bad for people. Sure. Yeah. Like, even... <laughs> it was nice, because you could also set your clocks by the time Yeah, exactly. That, uh, Splinter Twin raised in price and such yeah. cards like that. Like, they'd every quarter just go up and then go straight back down. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like now it's like I don't know how long I can play this deck for if I really want to buy in the deck. Could be a week, could be five months. Who can really say? It depends on, like, the other thing. And I actually think people complaining about that are actually shooting themselves. And, like, people not realizing that the schedule change is hurting consumers more than anyone else is kind of like doing a disservice to the rest of the people. Because I've, I've seen multiple people say that, well, if they announce schedules, then that's the only time that they can do that. It will take too long. And I'm like, no, that's not really how that works. Yeah, the, the, what, Omnath, Felidar Guardian, and Memory Jar were all emergency banned, I think? That's the list? Uh, yeah, I want to say there's one more, but I can't remember what it is. It might have been like one of those asterisk ones where like they didn't want to do it and then like it got shuffled. Felder's Guardian was the most notable one because just two days earlier, yeah. like that Monday or whatever, they said, yeah, we're not banning it. And this was like two or three weeks before PT, uh, I believe Aether 
or uh Amon it was Ket. two weeks before yeah it was two weeks before pro tour Amonkhet and it, it was the week of an scg open yeah and and then two days later they're like yeah jk we were wrong <laughs> and that was really fun to me and i'm like at least i'm glad they're doing something about it and, like they actually care but it's also like kind of weird that they said this is okay on monday and then a few days later they're like yeah we were not really thinking it through <laughs> it's because they have put so much of an emphasis on data in their bannings pretty mm-hmm. much ever since that point uh that we saw tweets today from uh aaron forsyth saying that you know sentiment and data for modern was that everything was fine and i agree sentiment shows that but like does data have to then you know <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know uh i also did note that basically fourth size said they could never unman birthing pod because it's too weaponized by this point because i i i also mm-hmm. worked this out if you have a one drop and pod, your opponent's just dead. Yes. Like, it's just stupid. Like, so I think for that reason, even if it's, like, not too good on power level or whatever, people will get sick of that shit real quick if it's good and probably, like, overcompensate with, like, even a Grafdigger's cage shuts it down, you know? I don't think cage was legal the first time that all of this non Or cage was fringe played, right? It wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, it- it had some applications. I, I remember putting it inside boards, but it yeah. wasn't like, you know, I'm going to need four of this card because the birthing pod deck can kill me on turn three kind of thing. Your your pod decks, your your hypothetical pod decks also get to play like four Skyclave Apparitions too. So, you know. Uh, well, the, the pod deck I had written down, if it got unbanned, did not, but it maybe should have. But it could just play a bunch of Knight of Autumns because that's easier to cast. Like, it, I, it, whatever proxy card you want to put in that spot, it's pretty easy to make a toolbox creature deck that can kill quickly, morph itself into a toolbox creature deck that can answer hateful permanence, then kill quickly is the actual issue. Yes, and I, I really liked the way Forsyth worded it when, when he said, like, you know, pod is not the clever toolbox Cute. deck. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just not that. It's just a, like, one-card combo at this point. And as cards continue to get printed, it will continue to be that. Like, what are you going to do? Banned corridor monitor? So you can have pod it's, legal? Yeah. This is one of the problems I have with a lot of unbanned discussions. I'm sure Jarvis does too. Where people view the cards that were banned, like, in their context, in their format, yeah, and what decks they were played in, yeah. without, like, adjusting forward to what cards have been printed in the previous, like, six years or whatever since they were banned. Splinter Twins, everyone's favorite card to talk about. Uh, everyone knows notes how good removal is now and, like, how you can interact with the combo itself, but never, ever brings up all the million cards that Splinter Twins hey, could play. Hey, well, what about Force of Negation? How yeah, about exactly. Force of Negation? <laughs> which perfectly works on tapping your mana source at your end step because that's when you have to initiate, and then Force of Negation conveniently can be cast for free on your opponent's turn. Hmm, <laughs> how about that? That isn't that weird? That's wild. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, but have you considered that the removal is better, so you can kill Exarchies here? <laughs> yeah, I've also considered that you could force a vigor at the Splinter Twin. What when, <gasps> when it's yeah? But I'm just like okay. Then now we're getting spell pierced on our turn instead <laughs> yeah, it's just I, I don't know like i i do think there is a chance that it wouldn't be too good but i also i'm not sure that you really want to open up that can of worms like i i'm pretty anti-ban and i'm simultaneously anti-unban unless if it's like something that's fairly clear to be harmless 
and Birthing Pod is definitely in it. And honestly, when I played Birthing Pod and Martin, I almost never played Moira Pod because Kiki Pod, I'm just like, well, here's what happens in the pod mirror. Kiki Pod's pod is lethal within two turns every time. Moira Pod just kind of dirtles for a while, you know? Now Pod would just be Kiki Pod every single time now. Yep. And, and again, just to emphasize, why change anything? Everybody is having fun with modern so exactly there's there's no real reason to, if people start complaining maybe you can like pull a weapon from your toolbox or pull or break the emergency glass is a better way of putting it rather yeah there's there's always do the thing when you need to but just throw vault of whispers out into the format just that one <laughs> <laughs> no we can't put any of them in because vault of whispers lets you attach cranial plating for free like you can't do that one you can't do any of them, realistically speaking, I think. We're just breaking class here, Travis. It's not a safe process. <laughs> I see. Well, <laughs> with that, yeah. I don't have anything else that I think we need to talk about. I, I'm open if, if y'all have anything in particular. Nah, I'm, I think I've uh, ranted all about I want to rant about this week. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm tapped out. Well, it's always nice to have you here for a rant. Yep. Uh, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to find us on social media, we're all on Twitter. I'm at CCR underscore grindcast. Uh, Jarvis is on Twitter and streaming like pretty regularly on Twitch. I feel like I, I see your notifications yeah. pop up. I When I put you on, I'm usually in the gym, so I can't chat. Nice. But uh, yeah, I've, yeah, I've popped in on some. You know, I most of people have told me that they like treadmill run and watch me play magic and i'm like that's weird but you know i'll take it <laughs> yeah I, i'm often in that boat not not the exercising because i don't do that as much as i should but <laughs> i rarely uh chat uh, unless the chat's like pretty small right uh, fair enough i'm much more likely to chat if i see that like lee and dom are in the chat or something like that well D- D- dom's always around to heckle me don't true. don't don't true. don't forget that part <laughs> and you know Dom, great guy. Hope he finds a new thing to do. <laughs> Me too. Yep. That and that is really the tough part. I mean, there, there's a lot of tough parts to this, but maybe I didn't like emphasize this before when we were talking about it. But it does suck to see a bunch of people that I like, like, effectively lose their jobs here. Uh, that's that's really tough to watch. I don't know if we gave y'all's Twitter handles, but you're welcome to do that before oh. we head out. Yeah, I guess a quick shout to mine. Uh, JKYU06 on Twitter. JarvisU on Twitch. And I do have a Patreon. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that here. Yes, and you got a, land, a lands guide up, right? Oh, yeah. I wrote... Well, so in the vein of we having a long-ass KCI guide, <laughs> I have a long lands guide. But it doesn't have as many weird rules interactions. It has more notes on deck construction and Mulligan heuristics and history of the deck. So it's like, it's 25 pages. I plan to keep it as a living document. So every few, like every month or so, I'll look at it and change whatever I think should be changed. I think that's kind of cool and kind of unique to something like Patreon. So that's uh, patreon.com slash and Lee is also on Twitter. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at Lee McLeo. 
I, I don't get anything cool like Travis's document. <laughs> you should go check him out. <laughs> and we will absolutely, I promise, have Jarvis on at some point in the future to be a dexpert on lands. Great. Return everything to its proper place and put the world back in order. Yeah, I'll see how Ragavan leaving affected the deck. It's got to be good for it, right? I, I, my, okay, I'll give the short answer. I suspect the change is very slightly positive, but mostly lateral. Because I've hit, been hit by a monkey like six times and it didn't do anything except cause my opponent to lose slower. <laughs> yeah, your explorations don't do a lot for them. Well, it's more like if you just deal them six random cards off the top of your deck, they're not likely to be very good mm -hmm. because a lot of the good ones are cards that they're not allowed to play. Yeah. Right. They don't they don't get to take your wastelands, so. Oh no. That that would be debilitating. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thanks so much for everybody for listening. Have a great week. See y'all. Bye.